Good morning. That sermon bumper was designed to wake you up. So good morning. I kind of felt like I should do this on my way up the stage. Would that have been okay? I don't know. Anyway. Hey, it is great to be together. We're starting a brand new series that's entitled United. And you saw that subtitle to the message series. That's really important. The concept that we're really working with is that although God wants to make us many as individuals, we're also one in Christ. And as God continues to birth in us and through us new ministries and new campuses, new locations of GT as a movement, that we are going to be many yet one. And so I want to talk about the power of being united. And that's what this series is all about. And we're going to look at some of the pictures, early pictures of the New Testament church uh, kind of through the series. Give you a little taste of that today, but more than anything, I want to just drive home this idea of what unity really looks like for us. And I think this will, you can reflect this in your personal life, you can reflect this in your relational life, but really, I want to apply it to us as a movement, to us as a church, and and what God is doing. So if you'll just give me some of your time today, I know by the time that we leave, you'll be encouraged, you'll be excited, and you'll have a clearer picture of what God's called us to as a church. I want to take you to Philippians chapter 2. Now, we just finished a, a series in Philippians, and so I would, have, I would have brought this passage to you in passing, but I want to camp on Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And I want to camp here for just a little bit because of the value that we're going to find out of the depth of what these two verses say in terms of our topic. So it starts off by Paul encouraging the believers in Philippi, which is, which is this um, region that's just sort of next to Turkey and Greece. It's kind of right at the top of... Um, of, of the um, of, of the the Mediterranean there, and it, it's a um, it's a very specific land mass, a very specific body that's been fought over back and forth, still disputed in some ways today, but. Currently, Philippi is, is this little region right up at the top between Turkey and Greece. And, and Paul writes a letter to this church, not because they've done anything wrong, but because they're doing great, and he wants to help them stay on track. In fact, the first chapter is, is really an encouragement toward that. The second chapter opens up with this picture of unity, and it starts by saying, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, it starts right there with the unity that we have in Jesus. If you... If you're encouraged by that, and then he goes on to explain what that encouragement might look like for you. If you have any comfort from his love, he says. And he goes on to say, if you have any common sharing in the spirit. Another version would say fellowship with the spirit. If any tenderness and compassion, and then he goes on to verse 2, which says, then make my joy complete. Uh, Because if you're experiencing those other things, you're experiencing joy. But let's take a step further into the joy that belongs to us here. And and, and the way you can do that is by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose. So these two verses are really a place where we can set a bedrock foundation for our view on what unity looks like. And basically what Paul is saying is it starts with unity with Jesus. It starts with unity with Christ. And and when you have that unity with Christ, then what begins to happen is you have this deep connection with the Holy Spirit. You begin to be encouraged by the fact that you belong to Jesus. In fact, the love of Jesus makes its way into your life. And as a result, you're transformed because you know that you are loved. You're loved by Jesus. And, And as a result of that love, what begins to happen in you, and this is all in verse 1, is tenderness and compassion replaces a lot of other emotions and feelings. 
All of a sudden, you're able to embody compassion and tenderness in a way that you couldn't before because that's what the love of Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit does for you. So Paul starts this whole conversation by saying, we got to start here with the, the unity that we experience with Christ. But then he encourages us to go beyond that. In fact, he says, hey, let's, let's make the joy better. Let's make the joy bigger. Let's have, let's have more of an expression of joy. And, and the way we're going to do that is by getting together with one another, by figuring it out together. In fact, verse 2, it talks all about a couple of you know, very key things. It says that you should be like-minded. Do you know what that phrase actually means in the Greek? I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. What it means is, is that you have a, a singularity of direction and work and servitude. Being like-minded. You're going the same direction. You're laboring together. There's, there's a sense of, of serving one another out of that. He says, having the same love. In other words, what he's saying is, I want you guys to love the same things. It's very easy to be touched by the love of Jesus. It's another thing to allow the love of Jesus to form what it is that you're loving. And I want you to love the same things. Would you, would you love the kingdom? Would you love the church? Would you love people far from God? Would you get on the same page when it comes to what you're loving? And then he finally says that last phrase, and it's, it's, it's actually where, the, where, where we're going to land and we're going to spend our time together. And that says, it says being one in spirit and purpose. One in spirit and purpose. And, and Paul suggests this to them because of his own experiences. You see, the truth is, is you can be one in spirit and not be one in purpose. And, and that happens a lot. Let me explain what I mean by that. So Paul used to be called Saul. I'll give you a quick storyline from Acts chapter 9. Saul was, uh, was, a, was a, a Jew, and he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, as he called himself. He was religious. He was a lover of Judaism as a religion, and he was going to protect, you know, that way of life at any cost, and there was something that he saw as a threat, and that was this Jesus thing, and all of these followers of Jesus that were known as the people of the way, and so his desire was to get rid of them all, was to squash out this rebellion and to protect Judaism as a religion and the temple as a place of worship, and so he is like, man, he's there when Stephen is stoned. Um, not stoned, but stoned, and just clarifying, okay, just clarifying, and, and he's there giving approval, the Bible says, and then in, verse, in chapter 9, man, he goes on the rampage, he's rude, and he's terrible, and he's mean, and he's, he's arresting Christians, and he's got papers from the Sanhedrin, and he's on his way to Damascus, and he's going to bring back those guys, and they're going to pay for being a part of the way, and on his way, God does something incredible. The Bible says a blinding light. He falls to his knees. There's a voice from heaven. And it says, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I'm Jesus. And all of a sudden, Paul, Saul's life is transformed. And he begins this journey, which even ends up in having a new name, Paul, instead of Saul. Paul is one of the greatest writers of the New Testament. In fact, if it wasn't for Paul, we wouldn't really understand a lot of what we do as Christians. Like, he formed a lot of our thoughts and our direction under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for what we now enjoy as the church. So I am a big fan of Paul. But Paul said to the church in Philippi, I want you to be one in spirit and purpose because he knew what it felt like to be one in spirit but not one in purpose. Let me explain. After this dramatic 
dramatic um, transformation, he goes on into the city of Damascus, but instead of arresting the people of the way, he goes right into the temple and he says, guys, I got it all wrong. Jesus is, uh, is real. Jesus is alive. Jesus is the one who transforms lives. And this whole Judaism thing, it's got to be done because now it's all about the way of Jesus. Well, how many of you know the people in Damascus who were, you know, loving, um, loving um, uh, Judaism and connected to Jerusalem and worshiping in their synagogue didn't like this one bit? The Bible says it wasn't long till they all wanted to kill him. And so those who were actually, you know, converted and following what Paul was teaching and following the way, they actually rescued him, sent Paul out of the city in a basket, and he flees back to Jerusalem, gets together with the apostles, and they were a little bit wary of him, but he gets together with the apostles, and then he goes right back immediately into the temple. Now, there's no record of any of the other apostles doing that, but Paul did it. In other words, Paul understood that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and you. He understood the same spirit, but his purpose was different at this time. His zealousness, his his excitement, his passion led him to confront the Jews. And that was his purpose. It wasn't the purpose of the apostles at that moment. The purpose of the apostles was to gather the believers to help them figure out how to live as believers, how to build the church. That was their goal. Now, so here we see it. Paul and the apostles had the same spirit, but they had different purposes. How do I know this to be true? Well, I really do think that Paul is speaking to the Philippians out of that experience because if you get to the end of chapter 9, what it says is after he confronts the Grecian Jews, they want to kill him too. So now he can't go to Damascus. Now he's about to be killed in Jerusalem. So the brothers, the Bible says, gather around him and say, let us take you somewhere else, Paul. And they take him to Caesarea and off to Tarsus where he stays for many, many, many years. Verse 31 of chapter 9. The very next verse, after they say bye-bye to Paul, it reads this way. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit It increased in numbers. So I have nothing, nothing but positive affirmation for the Apostle Paul, but he learned a lesson then. That the cross purposes was causing conflict and it was destroying the unity. And upon the, 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 the congruency of spirit and purpose, the blessing of God began to flow. All of a sudden, the church was blessed because in chapter 8, a great persecution breaks out. By the end of chapter 9, they say bye-bye to Paul. The same spirit, the same purpose lands in their hearts and there is blessing that flows. What takes place next is, is Peter has an incredible vision that actually transforms the whole landscape of Christendom. It makes, it makes it clear that people like me and you who are non-Jews were a part of this great plan. Beyond that, there were miracles. There, were, there was a woman raised from the dead. There, you know, Peter's shadow would cross over people and they would be healed. All of this dramatic stuff began to happen in that context of blessing. And that's exactly what the word teaches us. You see, when you have the same spirit and the same purpose, there is a blessing. There is an incredible blessing that takes place there. And here's what we, we learned this from Psalm 133. And in Psalm 133, the first verse says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And then beyond that, verse 3 says it again, For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. 
Man, it's a big blessing when we get spirit and purpose together in unity. And so Paul understood this. He understood it from his own experience, and now he's calling us and the church in Philippi to this exact thing. So what are we learning here? Well, what we're learning here is it's much easier for us who are Christians to be united in spirit than it is for us to be united in purpose. That's where the work is. And I, I got to say, like, even just think about this incredible church that we're a part of. I mean, we have, we have a oneness. GT has a oneness in spirit. There's no doubt. In fact, I'm going to make a couple of statements. And if you agree, you just say amen, okay? All right? First of all, let me say, this is what we all want. Tell me if you agree with your amen. We want people to hear the life-giving message of Jesus. We, we, want all, we, want, we all want people to experience the presence of God. We all want to know his will and to follow it. Come on, one more. You can give me a strong amen on this one. We all want to see the church strong and effective in ministry. Amen. So we all agree. We have the same spirit. Now let me tell you, how do we do that? How do we do that? Because that's where the purpose really comes. The one in spirit is okay because, you know what, we can feel it. We all want the same thing, but I'll tell you where the misalignment comes. Where the misalignment comes is in how the job gets done. How do we actually do this job? How do we actually move the ball down the field together? How do we do this? In other words, let me say, we differ on the way these things can happen, like on how we should steward God's presence and what worship should look like. We do differ on that. We differ at times on how the message is supposed to be communicated. We differ on the best way for the church to be effective in 2019. We differ on those things. Same spirit, but we can have different purpose. And so what I've learned is this. We can either be united in purpose or divided in preference. And it happens a lot. It really does. Look, Come on, let's be real. We all have preferences. I have preferences. I prefer oatmeal to cold cereal. Anybody agree? A few. Amen. We all have preferences. There is nothing in the world wrong with preferences. And I think it's fine that we have preferences. And I I think it would be a mistake if you're in the house today and you say, this church is designed by the preference of a few. Because that's not the case. It's not true at all. It's not designed by the preference of a few. In fact, I have preferences. You have preferences. But don't misunderstand what I am saying here. I love our church. And hear hear me on this too. I love the way we're doing church. And let me explain to you why. The reason why is not because it's my preference, but because I believe it to be the most effective way to reach people in 2019. So it's not about preference. It's about purpose. It's about the purpose. It's about the purpose. It's always got to be about the purpose. Preference is not the guide. Effectively achieving the purpose, that's the guide. Okay, so then now here comes the big question. Andy, what are you talking about? Effective, effective at what? Well, effective at the purpose of the church. And I'm so glad you asked the question. Did you know what question you just asked? I'll tell you. What is the purpose of the church? Great question. Thank you for asking. I want us to talk about this today. What is the purpose of the church? Because if if I was to go around the room with the microphone, which I'm not going to do, but if I did, I might hear some of you say, you know, I think the purpose of the church is to worship. And I wouldn't be able to disagree with you on that. Some of you say, I think that the purpose of the church is to pray. Because then God moves when we pray. I couldn't agree with you on that. Some of you might say, I think the purpose of the church is that we gather together. We support one another. We're the body of Christ. We live together. We activate together. You know, how could I disagree with you? I can't disagree with you. In fact, 
none of that is wrong. But if I was to say to you, let's strip it all down. Let's take everything out of it. Let's, let's, let's get down to the, to the, you know, to the, 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 just to the, to the bare metal. Let's just get down there. Let's scratch it all away. What are we left with? And I really believe this is what we're left with. What is the purpose of the church? The church exists to continue the mission of Jesus until he returns. That's our purpose. GT, your purpose is the purpose of Jesus. Your purpose is the mission of Jesus. We are called to continue the mission until Jesus returns. And so what is that mission? Well, I'm so thankful we're not left alone to try to figure that one out. The Bible makes it very clear. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen? The mission of Jesus was salvation, not condemnation, but salvation. Let's read on. I'll give you another verse, which really clarifies. Luke 19, 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So what are we getting here? What's the picture that we're getting here? The picture that we're getting here is that the mission of Jesus is to go after people. The mission of Jesus is not about condemnation, but about salvation. And so the mission of the church is to be instruments, not of condemnation, but of salvation in the world around us. Amen. So that's what we're called to do. In fact, Jesus, his his whole ministry kept kept reverberating this truth. He kept trying to help the disciples get this in their hearts, that what I'm building is a ministry or a mission that always reaches. What I'm building is about going into all the world. What I'm building here is about making room for everyone. That's what I'm building here. And so Jesus continued to reiterate that. So I'm going to take you now to Luke 15, to a very famous place in the scriptures. And when we get to Luke 15... There's going to be, for some of you, some familiarity. Now, familiarity is great, as long as we're still fresh in it, right? So don't tune it out, tune it in. Hear it again. Because Jesus begins to tell a parable that expresses the exact exact point that we're making today. And this is Luke 15, and he starts in verse 3. He says, Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? How many of you ever heard this before? Can I see your hands if you've heard this before? Yeah, this is not unfamiliar. So Jesus is teaching this. Aren't you going to leave the 99 and go find that lost sheep? And it's a rhetorical question because the answer is, of course, because the sheep is valuable. It's money, right? It's about, it's about my livelihood. So yes, I'm going to go find that sheep. It's like money blowing in the wind. It's like chasing a $5 bill down the the sidewalk. You're going to find that bill. And so then verse 5 says, And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now that's the end of the story. And everybody's leaning in because they get it. That would be a moment to celebrate. That would certainly be a really happy moment. But Jesus isn't finished yet because now what he does is he switches. He switches from earth to heaven. He switches from a principle 
in regular life to a spiritual principle that's rooted in the heavenlies. And this is what he says in verse 7. He says, I tell you the truth. In other words, man, I am so sure of this. Don't miss it. Lean in. This is the important piece. This is the point of the story. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who does not need to repent. What is it that Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying that there's a celebration in heaven that is rivaled by nothing when someone comes to Jesus. I'll say it again. There is a revelation for us to take here that heaven rejoices more about one person coming into the kingdom than about anything else. Anything else. I just need you to hear my heart in this. Because as a church, I can tell you exactly what we've concluded. That we will live for the rejoicing in heaven. That's what we will live for. That's what it has to be about. That is the mission of Jesus. That's our mission too. I can tell you there have been times where I've been caught off guard by the lack of excitement I have over someone coming to Jesus as though it's not a big deal. Lord, shake me and forgive me whenever I don't see what heaven is partying over. Forgive me for not reflecting heaven on earth because there's no celebration in me over lost people coming home, over sheep that have been found. Ah, God, change my heart. You see, that's the passion of the church. It's the people that have not yet been reached. And so that's why we say the church is the only organization that lives for its non-members, right? It's for people who aren't yet here. It's amazing, and it's the message and the method and the mission of Jesus. And so in this little story, we kind of get a twofold mission for ourselves, and I want to share it with you. It's really kind of based in two ideas about these sheep, sheep that are lost, And what Jesus says is that the shepherd, first of all, if he has a lost sheep, what does he do? He goes after them. He goes after the lost sheep. That's what he does. The Bible says, who would not go after the lost sheep? And this is the beginning of the mission that we have. Friends, we have to go after them. You know, we're going to celebrate 96 years as a church on October 20th. That's pretty fun, isn't it? 96 years of ministry. You can celebrate that. That's a really cool thing. It's awesome. And why is this ministry here? Because we've never forgotten this. We've never forgotten that the reason why we're here is to go after them. That's why the church grows. That's why the church is blessed. That's why the church multiplies. Because we're called to go after them. And here's the deal. It's why we have a multi-site vision. It's why we want to be one, but in many places. Because we have to go after people. There are people that simply are not going to come to us. We've got to go to them. We've got to go after them. We've got to search for them. They're lost. They don't know the way. We have to go find them. We've got to go after them. And so God put a vision in our heart to put a life-giving church within reach of every person on Vancouver Island. And what is within reach? Only God knows. Only God knows how far someone will go to find the hope that they desperately need but may not even know they need it. 
At some point, we have to hear God's voice and follow where, he, where he's leading us because there is an island to reach. Get in your car, friends. Drive through some of these smaller communities. Drive down the main street. Drive through the city of Nanaimo. Drive through Duncan. Drive through different cities on this island. And don't tell me there's not a need for life. There's a great need. There's a great need. There's lost people, and they need Jesus. And that's the mission of the church, to place a life-giving church within reach of every person on Vancouver Island. And we said it this way, we really believe God's called us to plant 10 campuses that would form a network all over this island, reaching and ministering with the heart that we have. And we know we're not doing it alone. There's great churches out there, but God has put a specific vision in our heart. God has put a specific way in our hearts, and we want to live that out so that we can play our part in the great mission of God. We want to fulfill the, 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 the purpose of God for us as a church. And so we have this great central campus, and here you are, here at Victoria. This is, you know, the 96 years of history. This is the growth. This is the development. This is the, the, the support staff. This is the central offices. This is the vision. This is the branding. This is the place where really it all happens from. This is a great hub for which God can leverage to reach the island. It's our broadcast campus, which is happening right now. There's many watching online right now. This is the hub. This is the movement. But it's not alone, because we heard in our hearts about three years, of, three years ago from God, you got to go after them. And so we went after Langford, and we planted right in the heart of Langford at West Hill, in West Hills. We planted a great church, and now three years later, that church is thriving. It is strong. It is healthy. It is reaching, friends, literally. I was there just a few weeks ago, and I'm hearing the roar of worship like I've never heard it before. It's like something is firing out there in a way in the early days it didn't. 250 adults in that service, 75 children up in the kids' rooms. Friends, this is life, and we're going after them. We're going after them. So we really feel that this is because God has said we have to go. And so we've done what we believe God has called us to. And the reason why this is our strategy is because of that second piece that we see in the storyline. Because what does the shepherd do? He goes after the sheep, and then when he finds the sheep, he brings the sheep home. And friends, we've got to bring people home. Gone are the days when GT Victoria goes out somewhere else across the island and sets up an outreach and preaches the gospel. And we, we show up, we blow up, and we blow out, Right? Gone are the days when we do that. Now we've got to create home for people. We've got to create a place where they can show up next week. We've got, to, we've got to do today what we can do forever. We've got to be able to minister to people. And friends, when you send money to do outreach, when you, when you, when you support an orphanage or when you do a missions trip, when you do that, that money is used up and gone. But when we plant life-giving churches, we create a mechanism to reach that community until Jesus returns. It's a great investment. And so we're not only just going to go find them. We're going to bring them home. We're going to create home. And home is so important. Home is a place where you belong. Home is a life-giving church that meets the need of that community, a church that they can call home. And so today, we get to celebrate a third home that GT is building as a movement. A third home for a whole group of people. 
a whole group of people. Today we're celebrating the launch of GT Ignite, which is our Filipino community. And I, I mean, now, uh, you, we look at Langford and what we did with West Hills, and it was so strategic about like going, and we felt the sense God said plant over there. But, but the GT Ignite story is sort of different. It, it was something that was so beautifully organic in its growth as a part of this house, this Victoria house. And, and it just, like over the last five, six years, Pastor Nilo has just been tilling the soil and reaching people with his gifts and, 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 and reaching out and building teams. And, 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 and there's been a swell surrounding that work. And now when they gather, there's over 200 of them. I can guarantee you today, when we launch this afternoon, there will be well over 200 people in the room for that very first launch. But they've been meeting now over the last five years, growing, growing the ministry and and. And, and, and reaching people and developing a network of outreaches and a network of small groups. And, and so what we're doing, rather than like the strategic planting we did with, with West Hills, we're saying, God, you are doing something and we just need to get out of the way and bless what you're doing and say yes and make space and make room, affirm and honor and release and empower. And that's exactly what we're doing with Ignite. So this community, listen, let me help you understand the potential of this community. So we went to Langford because we said, they're going to build 5,000 new homes right around where we're going to plant. I'm thinking that's amazing. But you realize that in greater Victoria, there are over 17,000 Filipinos. That is a grouping larger than the city of Colwood. I just need you to see that. I need you to understand. This is not just a small little side gig somewhere. This is a major slice of greater Victoria, and they need a place to belong. And Pastor Nilo is, is perfectly designed by God, called by God, directed from the Philippines to our house with the right humility, the right gift mix, the right um, abilities, and the right heart to do exactly what he's doing. And I can't tell you, I couldn't be more excited or I'll explode. So, we're making a new home. It's a permanent home. It's not a home where they have to guess if it's this week or last week. It's not a home where they have to figure out some other home and then come here sometimes. We're making a permanent home for people who have come from somewhere so far away in a culture that they don't understand and they just need a place to belong. So we're going to bring them home. Pastor Nilo, would you come to the stage? I think everybody needs to meet Pastor Nilo. Would you like to meet him? Pastor Nilo is my brother and my friend, and uh, along with his beautiful wife, Ruth, she's somewhere here in the house, and we just found, there she is. Ruth, will you stand up and wave? God bless you. And they together are going to pastor um, this new campus. And so, Pastor Nilo, let's just, you know, let's just take a few minutes, and why don't you share a little bit about who you are and about your story, and just kind of just ooze that passion all over us. We need it a little bit. So, uh, yes. Welcome. It's good, yeah. good to have some time with you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good morning, church. Uh, good morning. I am so excited to be with you and to be with Pastor Randy today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm willing to uh, share my, 
my passion and my testimony. Well, my name is Nilo Mariveles. Uh, I married to Ruth, beautiful, beautiful lady there. Uh, sorry, girls. So, uh, <laughs> so God gifted us with six kids. One of them went to the Lord, but five of them still working with us, serving with us here in the house. Yeah. So we are so grateful uh, with that. So I was born in the Philippines. Hmm. I am the eldest of 10 uh, siblings. 10, 10, ten, ten, ten siblings. Okay. Yeah, 10 siblings. I am the eldest. And I would say that I was raised up in a very, very poor family. But at the same time, a very messy family because of the uh, alcoholism that inflicted my father. Mm and uh, it affects my family. But somewhere along the line, along the way of my journey, uh, I figured out how to finish my, my elementary. Mm -hmm. and then we moved out to Manila, and then there I found out a job for about 12 pesos a day. Mm. It's about 25 cents in our Canadian dollar. So, but, you know, I, I, I learned to survive and finish my high school and college. But in my high school life, there where I become bad boy. You know, mm -hmm. I, I become <laughs> connected to a, to a fraternity. Take note, fraternity, not maternity, okay? Yeah, yeah. So fraternity. Very important. Very important. So I've been connected there. I, I began to, uh, to uh, uh, begin to do smoking and drinking and do some bad stuff. I become a, a bad boy and cheated, cheated so many people. You know, you can buy to me a one kilo of chicken. I can give you 800 kilograms because I, I'm a very dishonest person. But somewhere along the way, God interrupted my life through this young girl. Oh. Oh. Young girl. Uh -huh. And she okay. invited me to a church. Yeah. And of course, I went with her. Yeah, of course. I have, yeah. <laughs> I have uh, crossed on her. Oh. Okay, so <laughs> when I see her, it looks like there's so many... Horse racing on my heart is like tig -tig 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 -tig, you know, something like that. <laughs> but but you know what? It ended up that I'm more in love with Jesus than with her. Okay? Mm. Jesus took hold of my heart and mm. saved me. And Great since job. that day, Pastor Randy Church, since that day, my, my passion to share the gospels burned inside of me. Mm. And almost all of my classmates heard the gospel. Wow. And wow. some of them now are pastors and leaders in the Philippines. Awesome. And then, awesome. yeah, praise the Lord, my family got saved. And I become a seaman, worked for 15 years and now. Yeah, so you were on the high yeah. seas for many years. And yes. you've got great stories yeah. about storms and so on. Yeah. And you'll get to hear those in, in your sermons. But, yeah. um, but uh, you came to Canada and uh, immigrated here and brought your family. What a journey that was. And, and, and you discovered, really, I mean, the ministry for you really blossomed in Canada. You, you have a passion yes. for, for Canada and for, for uh, those who are coming to Canada. So share with us about that. Yes. I really have a passion for Canada and for our migrant workers or migrant uh, Filipino workers here. Or, you know, not just for Filipino, but for everybody. So my, two things in my passion is, two things, two things in my passion. Number one is the, the, uh, the call of my God in my heart, in my life. The call of God in my life to, to fulfill the great commission, to share the gospel, you know, to, to, to make disciples. You know, I want to see the lost people saved as, a, as you preached this morning. So I want to see that families that come to Canada to, to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two is, is the passion, uh, the need of, of God in the family. Mm 
mm. in the, the need of Christ-centered community in our society. Because imagine this, Pastor Randy, there, as you said, there, there are 17,000 Filipinos here in Victoria. Awesome. And there are 30,000 uh, here in Vancouver, Vancouver Island, 30,000 Filipino wow. migrant workers. Wow. And you know that uh, these pe people experience culture shock. Yeah. Culture right. shock. And they are experiencing sadness and loneliness. Right. It's just when the enemy comes with the sugar-coated things that is so destructive. So I feel the urgency of going to them, uh, bringing the life-giving message so that they can have a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because these people have their religion, but they need the life-giving relationship through the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. So we feel that urgency yeah. to come to them. Amen. Amen. So, so uh, yeah. I think, uh, Nilo, you, uh, you, I, can't, I can't wait to hear you preach. Like you're just going for it. I mean... <laughs> Like, uh, in Tagalog. <laughs> you're, you're just a little excited, aren't you? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, I am so excited. <laughs> we need that. We need that yeah. passion and that excitement that you have. And, you know, it's not like you've been waiting for today to get started. I mean, you just came and you just started tilling the soil and reaching people. Yeah. And, and the Ignite story is amazing. One of the outreaches is the Welcome Wagon, which yeah. is part of our Kingdom Builders yes. uh, initiative. Yes. But true. you and your team really um, designed that and, and used that mechanism to reach people. And boy, has it ever been fruitful. Tell us about the Welcome Wagon. Oh, I am so excited to share to you about <laughs> Welcome Wagon. <laughs> welcome Wagon. Woo, welcome, everybody. So... Let's, let's give a hand to our Welcome Wagon team, please. Yay, they are, they are, they're team. amazing. Amazing they're team. Amazing. All right. Welcome Wagon is a team that, uh, that goes to house to house. You know, we, we come to, uh, uh, to their home and welcome the newcomers to Canada with a big box, with, with something on it. And one, one of them is the rice because we want to tell the people that man shall not live by rice alone. Amen. But also by potato and salad. You know, just think. Okay, but... But by the word of God, you know, by the word of God. So, so we, <laughs> we come to their house and, and this is the time that we can share. We can welcome them, give them testimo uh, testimony yeah, and, yeah. and information and share the gospel. And boy, last year, with Welcome Wagon and collectively with, with, with the small groups, there are 80 souls accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 80. The heaven 80. is rejoicing. I mean, that's, that's 80 yeah. parties in heaven. Yeah, 54 yeah. families, 80 souls. Praise God. And today, or this year, from January up to now, we have more than 60 souls came to Christ. Praise God. Praise the Lord. That's amazing. Amazing. Glory to God for all yeah. of that. Yeah. And the last thing, Pastor Randy, can I, if, if I have two minutes, or, no, not, just a second. It's the partnership that we have in the house. The yeah. unity that's being built. Yeah. I am so pumped. Oh, that's the word. Pump. I'm that's so excited. Good, good, good Canadian <laughs> word. Good Canadian word. Yeah. I'm becoming more Canadian. Okay, I'm so excited. I am so excited to work with you guys yeah. because I believe that with you, with partnership, with you yeah. and with the Holy Spirit, we can win and bring home more souls. Amen. To Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Awesome. Yeah. You know, Pastor Nilo and I have, have had so many strategic meetings, and over and over and over again, he just has 
Pastor Andy, I'm your armor bearer. I'm just here with you. Whatever you want to do. And, and so we've been able to design the Ignite experience to be so rich and so such a blessing to that community. But we also understand that if an ethnic church splits off and becomes its own church, it has about a five-year shelf life. And this is like statistically proven. But if we stay together and we do this in a united way, which is what we're trying to do, then what happens is the next generation of Filipino youth and the children that are yep. raised in Canada and That's understand right. Canada more than the Philippines, That's right. they're going to have a, a church to be a part of. They're going to have yes. a movement that they can be a part of and so that the kingdom Woo. can keep advancing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Pastor Amen. Andy. Thank you, Pastor Andy. Thank you, well, church. I mean, with, with his passion, I mean, I, I just want to invite you to pray with me for Pastor Nilo. I kind of feel like he should pray for us because, like, wow. But let's, let's take the time today to pray for Pastor Nilo and Ruth. Would you come as well? And I'm going to invite you to stand and um, extend your hands. And we want this to be a moment of commissioning. We want it to be a moment where we just, we just affirm the call that's upon their lives. And we just bless them and release them in the name of Jesus for the work that's right in front of them. So thank you. Extend your hands and let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the call of God. We thank you, Lord, for the mission that you have placed within the heart of these leaders. And we bless them in Jesus' name. We ask, oh God, that you would pour out a great and fruitful season for Ignite through their ministry in the name of Jesus. Lord, we honor them because they serve you with diligence. They're faithful and sacrificial. They have given so much and they have so much more to give. So we ask, oh God, that you would meet every need of their family. You would supply for their children and for their marriage and for their finances that you would bless them and provide, Lord, as they faithfully step into this new season. We pray today that, Lord, there would be such a tremendous celebration at the Ignite uh, launch this afternoon. We ask, oh God, that the joy of the Lord, the smile of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit would be so rich and real. Lord God, we ask, Jesus, that you would fill him, oh God, fill Nilo with godly fruit. Lord, as he continues to preach the gospel and minister, as he creates a home for a whole community of people. And so, Lord, we commission him in the name of Jesus. We release him in the name of Jesus. And, and, and we, we declare in Jesus' name that you will preach the word with boldness, that there will be fruit, that many will come to know Jesus, and that the kingdom of God will advance through your life and ministry. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you, Ruth. Love you. Listen, just, as, just before we sing, because that's how we close our celebrations, is we sing. We sing to declare God's goodness once again before we go. But before we do that, I just want to circle back to where we started. Because where we started was with the concept of being united with Christ. And there may be someone here today, and that's where your storyline is. You know, we talk about the celebration in heaven. Listen, there can be a party today. Because the Bible says that when you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. It's that simple. It's like Jesus, the great shepherd, is already out looking for you. And if you're here today and you need him, you just call on the name of Jesus. The Bible says that as you do, he reaches to you. And that you can have the heart of Christ beating inside of you. You can have the same spirit that's in this house in you. 
And that's because Jesus loves you and has paid a great price for you, like Lisa talked about during our communion time. So listen, if you're here today and you're saying, I need Jesus in my life, I haven't had this unity with Christ that leads to such further unity you've talked about, then listen, you simply say, Jesus, come in. Jesus, would you be Lord in my life? I I want you to lead. I want you to have your way in me. Please come, fill me with your spirit. Guide me with your hand in Jesus' name. You can pray a prayer like that. You can pray it now. You can pray it when you get home. You can pray it in your car. You can pray it on the way to the bus. You can pray it anywhere. There's nothing special about being in this church except that there's a lot of faith in the room. And so if you've made that decision today, listen, there's a card you can fill out. It's called My Decision. If you haven't had a chance to do that, but you just want to talk to a real live person, I see people at the back at the Next Steps table. They would love to talk with you, love to help you and direct you. We love you, and we're so concerned about your spiritual journey. We want to help you take the next step. Pastor Luke, let's sing.